Jesus Christ, what question? <risos> é... <risos> I thought you said, at first you said, hot music. Is this normal psychology or is this paranormal? <laughs> I think Skyfall by Adele's a bit shy. <laughs> Fraser David MacArthur, you look rough as anything. Well, you look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> Well, I may well do that soon. <laughs> let's, let's be clear, our guest is herself is not a ghost. Or is she? No, no. she's not. She is a... Am I, now, you keep me right here, Fraser. Is she a paranormal psychologist? Yeah, that's correct. A paranormal. Yeah. Can you believe that we've got a paranormal psychologist on our podcast? Well, you know what, Fraser? I do believe. <laughs> oh, wait, is that aliens or is that... Ghost. That's uh, it's uh, X Files, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's like aliens, isn't it? I want to believe. Well, I wonder, does, does she cover aliens as well, or is it just mostly ghosts and stuff? Uh, I would imagine mostly ghosts. She might dabble in aliens. I don't know. Yeah. Well, these are all questions we can ask Evelyn Hollow when she joins us in a but a few moments. Absolutely. And why? Why is she joining us? What are we doing? She's joining us to take part in the Build a Bond podcast, where she'll get the opportunity. To build her dream James Bond film from scratch. She'll pick who she wants to play Bond, who she wants to be the Bond girl, who she wants to be the villain, director, and who she wants to sing the theme song. Great. Uh, and is that coming through louder now? Yeah, louder now. Okay, good. Because I was I looked as if I was a wee bit quiet there. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a bit of technical problems actually <laughs> this evening. We're starting a new podcast app. Yeah, this is uh, a little for you, uh, for you Build a Bond fans who like to get a bit of behind the scenes. We've just changed the uh, recording application, I suppose. So, a bit of, a, bit of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, so we'll see how this goes. Goes. <laughs> it's loud now, yeah. Okay, too loud. All right. Uh, no, great. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, good podcast idea, Stuart. Well done. Uh, any rules? Well... Yes. Oh. Normally there are no rules, but for this season and this season only, we have one rule, which is the Idris Elbel mm. rolls off the tongue. <laughs> oh, is that the, it? yeah, that is it indeed. Um, if our guest picks the fantastic Idris Elba for any of their picks, uh, man of many talents could play any of the roles. But if if they're picked, if Idris Elba gets picked, then our guest will have to face one of three Idris Elba-based challenges. Oh, I see. And do we know what these challenges are yet? No? Well, I know what they are. You know what they are. You made them up. I've made them up, but our guest will have to pick one at random and then do it live on the podcast for their sins. Okay, excellent. Well, I reckon we can we can power on then. I reckon we can do it. Well, before we do, I have a little bit of a challenge for you. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, we all know Evelyn Hollow knows a thing or two about ghosts. She sure bloody does, yeah. But does she know much about the most famous film ghost of all time? Casper? No. <laughs> it is, of course, the ghost from the film Ghost. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thinking particularly about the infamous pottery scene uh-huh. from that film. I want you, Fraser, without arousing the suspicion of our guest, 
to reference pottery and pottery making as many times throughout the episode. Okay. <laughs> Throwing pots, etc. Yeah, anything related to the construction and or use of pots. Okay. Uh, perfect. That sounds like fun. Leave it with me. Mm-hmm. Pottery, 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 pottery. Harry Pottery? No, that doesn't that that's, count. No, absolutely not. Okay. All right. Well, let's do it then. Get your IMDb open. Mm-hmm. Tag Whatever. along. Tag us if you're listening. At Buildabond007. That's yep. a tweet, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Insta, Insta ghost. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. And let's, without further ado, welcome Evelyn Hollow to the Buildabond podcast. <laughs> Brace yourselves, Beldabon fans. This guest you can't hide from, not even in death. We're heading in a spooky direction this evening with one of Scotland's fastest growing names in paranormal psychology, frightening fans by all mediums, whether that's on Spooked Scotland on TV, the Uncanny podcast, or her various live events and shows. Part of me is hoping that she's going to bring some of this horror influence to her Bond movie, but the other part of me is kind of terrified of exactly that so it's with reluctant joy that i introduce evelyn hollow hello thank you for having me evelyn welcome to the podcast <laughs> that was a very good intro for us we're all, we're all feeling suitably spooked out <laughs> good now just before we started recording there evelyn you said you liked the idea of this podcast because it's not what you're usually asked about and spooky stuff but we i made that pretty spooky so i apologize yeah so what we're what we're actually here to talk about is films tv music all these sorts of things uh, and in particular i suppose a little bit about james bond Evelyn, would you say you're a, a bit of a bond fan yeah i mean you know i grew up with sort of the the films on television and things like that um my my parents um and my grandparents and stuff watched them and and i i mean i uh you know kind of Grew up with him, but like wasn't like a, there's so many people who are like diehard James Bond fans. Um, but uh, yeah, and yeah. I and I think I was in high school. <laughs> I think I was in high school um, when the Daniel Craig Bonds started, and they were a huge thing. And I've really enjoyed all of them. Um, and I'm really excited to see who plays the new James Bond. That everyone's still arguing about. Yeah, mm. we we were. Um... Riz and I were speculating a bit beforehand because of your your background and stuff. What sort of genre of films that you would be into? Is it what you'd expect? A bit of horror, a bit of that kind of stuff, or or do you like other bits and pieces? Um, I think I mostly. What do I mostly watch? Yeah, I watch a lot of horror. Um, but I also watch probably a lot of um, I don't know, you know, thriller and stuff as well. Um, I I don't know. I don't think there's anything like I won't watch. Um, I do watch a lot of like westerns and stuff as well, and um, kind of neo noir stuff, sci fi, um, neon noir as well as neo noir, that sort of thing, and um, you know, transgressive stuff. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's anything I won't watch. My favorite film director is Tarson Singer, who directed The Fall and The Cell and things like that, and then it would probably be Fincher behind him. Oh, The Cell with Jennifer Lopez. Yes. <laughs> Um, or am I thinking of something else? No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the style—it's got Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Lopez in it, and um, the costumes in it are by the same person who did the costumes for Bram Stoker's Dracula. 
um, as well as other things. And they actually, oh, wow. yeah, they actually used some of Dracula's costumes in that film. And um, yeah, that's Tarson Singer's first big project, first big film. Oh, very cool. Brilliant. There you go. Well, let's. I mean, yeah. So James, you've you, you said you're a little bit into James Bond. I suppose it's not your maybe not your preferred genre, but have you got a favourite Bond actor? Have you got one of one of them that stands out to you? Um, I think out of out of the guys that play James Bond, I've really enjoyed Daniel Craig. Um, I think he's been amazing. Um, I do remember Pierce Brosnan Bonds, but it's been so long since I've seen them. I'm I'm not sure I remember them. Um, Sean Connery is probably the big famous one behind that, obviously being Scottish. Um, even though you know we don't we don't claim him, he's a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Daniel Craig as a Bond. Amazing, cool. And the, just before we get started, I mean, your profession is is quite extraordinary, and I know we'll not we'll not linger too much on the on the paranormal stuff. But I mean, you must have some stories to tell. Yeah, yes, I do. Um, yeah, working as a paranormal psychologist is probably the single weirdest job on the the planet, and I mostly work in. <laughs> you know, television and radio now, but I used to be a lecturer on it. But yeah, it's an extremely niche job. I think there's only, there's half a dozen of us at most in the whole of the UK. Well, you're certainly the first one we've had on this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. So now did you, when you were doing your picks, did you channel any of uh, your, any of the paranormal into it? Or is it is it all sort of uh, in this realm? No, I mean, I think it's, um, I think it's just going to be fairly, fairly wild I think good <laughs> good that's what we like to hear very nice I guess should we get into it then yeah should we have a little cheers I don't know if you've got a drink with you Evelyn uh, I have actually got some champagne this evening I'm it was so... actually this is actually just water but it's funny does say queen of Halloween it does say queen of Halloween normally when I'm doing podcasts I, uh, I I do normally have a drink but I currently have water because um yeah, I'm going to have a drink later, but I'm currently on water because I was doing back. Nice. Well, cheers here. I've got champagne. I'm celebrating this evening. My, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned it before on this show, but my wife has actually just moved in with me, finally. Oh, from, amazing. From America. So, yes, a little bit of celebratory champagne for me. Congratulations. Yeah, life, the life of a podcaster, eh? Drinking champagne on a weeknight. On a Thursday night, yeah. Someone's doing very well. <laughs> I'm a I'm a professional like everyone, so I've got a glass of water. A glass of water, yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, so right, Evelyn Hollows build a bond. Here we go. First of all, let's go into the big man himself or woman. We don't know. No rules, as you know. Talk us through your pick. So I think for for Bond himself, um, I obviously can't in good faith ever cast anyone other than a British actor into the role. Mm. Um, but I actually think Tom Hiddleston would be a really good Bond. Um, seeing him do, you know, The Night Manager by Jean Le Carre, things like that, um, I think he would be pretty good. He's probably a wee bit older now. I know they're probably going to cast someone younger. Um, but yeah, just in terms of kind of like depth, gravitas, classical acting training, um, but also oh, nice. clearly competent enough to do action sequences. Yeah, my pick would probably be Tom Hiddleston. I, I think that was the moment, wasn't it, that everyone sort of thought, "Oh, wait a minute!" When he did the Night Manager, and everyone was a bit like, "This guy's got the got a bit of the Bond about him." Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially playing off of Hugh Laurie. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Tom Hiddleston, not going to lie, I've been compared to Tom Hiddleston myself before. Yes, yes I have. <laughs> no, you've I not. <laughs> you absolutely um, have not. Not in looks, necessarily, <laughs> but uh, in personality. Hmm. <laughs> right, well, tried to get that in there, but okay. Up for debate. I, yeah, I like... Um, I think Tom Hiddleston is, is a good, yeah, as you say, maybe a little bit older, but this is Bill the Bond, right? It's no rules. So you could you could say, well, I want Tom Hiddleston, but I want him when he was, I don't know, 25, 30. Bring him back. Yeah, bring him back. Well, I don't know how old he is now, to be honest. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's that old. He seems sort of like kind of ageless, but I guess he must be yeah. getting on a wee bit. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't age badly, Tom Hiddleston and I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... No, I quite like I quite like that as a pick as well because yes, it has been banded about for a few years now that he he's in the running for it, but um, I don't think anyone's ever really taken that seriously, and I think maybe they should. Like he, he's good, he's a good leading man, good action hero. You know, we know that from Avengers and stuff. Um, yeah, why the hell not? Would you say? And maybe not. I don't know if this is right or not. Is he too good an actor to play Bond? You know, he does Shakespeare. He does lots of quite serious roles as well. I think he would look at Bond and go, "Am I fucked in that?" Yeah, I guess because he's classically trained. Um, you know, so you the classically trained actors tend to go more into the role of like um, you know, so Dame Judi Dench. Um, but you've also had um Ralph Fiennes in the last series. So yeah, I think M is the big sort of regal, classic British. Mm. Um, classically trained actors role um, but he's probably not quite of that age yet I think M has to have like quite an, an age quite a distinction senior role um, but yeah I don't know maybe I don't know if he's ever been offered it and I don't know who's auditioned for it um, my partner was saying last night that this had uh, a young actor I can't remember his name he's in we're watching Happy Valley at the yeah. moment and he um, plays the the bad guy in that Tommy Leroy Zach said to me last night that um, he's like the fan favorite to be. Is it is it Aaron Taylor Johnson or something like that? He's Aaron Taylor Johnson is a fan favorite, okay, but the okay. guy in Happy Valley is uh, James Norton. James too. Norton, right? That, but yeah, so he's like he's apparently. I think him and yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson are the two kind of like people think that they're going to be the next pod, and they're a lot younger as well. Yeah, that's a. Uh... I don't know what like I don't know what they say like when, when people audition for Bond they must say something to them like because everyone like they seem to keep it so secret like I'm I'm surprised no one has like blabbed about it or no one has kind of like leaked it or anything like that they must like threaten their family or something like, <laughs> keep them all like super silent yeah um, there we go Tom Hiddleston as Bond here we go not the first time we've had Tom I don't believe no I've had him before I think not as much as you might expect as as someone who's kind of always in the conversation we haven't had him that much but if you're looking for yeah. A, a, a British actor you said was important someone who's got a good acting background got the looks then I guess yeah Tom Hiddleston good show lovely great what I mean let, let's de- get go into his character what kind of Bond is he is he a funny Bond like Roger Moore or is he a serious growling Bond like Daniel Craig I think not growling I mean he's, growling. Not, he's not a dog <laughs> I think he'd be you know kind of somewhere in between where um, I think Hiddleston is actually quite a dark character sometimes um, and he plays people who obviously more comedic roles like Loki but that character is actually rooted in like self-hatred and pain and trauma um, and then he's also played like in The Night Manager yeah a lot more serious and dry roles 
Um, but I think his main thing is that he draws on, he always looks for like the darkness in a character and looks at their motivation. And we have had a lot of that in Bond, but it's been very much like stone faced and, you know, very rigid. So I think maybe the point of Tom Hiddleston is that you still have the same sort of seriousness, but from, um, from, a, from a more explored depth, essentially, from like, well, why is Bond? the way he is and how does that person, you know, what is like the humanity of having to go out and like execute people and also risking all your friends and things like that. So you might get maybe, maybe away from just physical brutalism or like kind of funny, charming, sarcastic, charismatic, you probably more get, uh, not necessarily more emotional, but maybe more cerebral, like kind of intellectual bond where you're looking at the mm. psychology of bond, not just, you know, what can he do physically. Ah, yeah, that's a smart arse, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you explore a bit more about like, yeah, what what does it do to a man if you spend every day killing people, you know, that you don't know or, or whatever? It's so it's going to be a bit more of a a psycho a psychological look at at the man. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, that's I mean that's classic, isn't it? Coming from a psychologist. <laughs> I was going to say, is this a, not is this <laughs> is this normal psychology or is this paranormal? It's very much normal psychology at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> Just keep checking in. <laughs> Very nice. He has played a vampire before, I think. Has he? Yes! Oh, yeah. Which Only Lovers Left Alive. That's one of my favourite films of all time. He plays across from um, Tilda Swinton. Um, yes, that's. I couldn't remember the name of the film, but I do have. A, I had an image of him as a vampire in my head. Yeah, he's also in one of my other favorite films, *Crimson Peak*. Guillermo del Toro was ah. like one of my favorite films of all time. He's in that, and he's excellent. I mean, he's never made a bad film, really, has he? That's a good challenge question. I bet he has. Yeah, I think like all the superhero films are pretty shit. So you that, yeah, you don't like them. <laughs> that's easy yeah. for me. Yeah. The best character of all of them is probably True. Loki. To be fair, and he is. He's also in the he's in the Thor ones, right? Which are actually some of the better ones. Yeah, they are. And the the t- I did watch the TV show of Loki, and it was actually it was actually yeah. really good. Um, I had that bird that played Doctor Who, who I don't like, and it who I find really grating. Um, I can't remember her name. She's the first. She was the first female Doctor. Um, Jodie uh, something. Yeah. Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker. Yeah, she's just really Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. Yeah, she's annoying as <laughs> hell. So we we started off trying to find a way to criticize. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston, and we've ended up having a go at Jodie Whittaker. So. Sorry, Jodie. It's, it's just the thing, isn't it? Everyone just loves Tom Hiddleston, and everyone loves me, and and I am Tom Hiddleston. So, mm, unconvinced right, well. of that so far, but I am convinced of Tom Hiddleston. Good pick. Fine. Happy with yeah. that. Not my favorite. Not going to lie to you, Evelyn. It's not my favorite pick ever. Why is your pick? Uh, well, you have to listen to my episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, t- I'm not telling that on on a, someone else's episode. The um, do you mean like, do you mean rather than like, it's not your favorite of picks that other people have made? Yes, yes, it's not. It's yeah, of all the picks we've had in this show, Tom Hiddleston's not. It's maybe top ten, but not top three. Not top three. Okay, fair. Enough. I think that that's fair. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's keep going then. Let's uh, jump next. Next, we have like the the love interest role, typically what's known as the Bond girl, but this is build a Bond. There are no rules. You can do whatever you want with it. Co-star, love interest, whatever. Who are you going to have, Evelyn, playing alongside Tom Hiddleston? So I think as a co-star, because all the Bond girls get bumped off. Um, although in the last the last Bond, um, which was No Time to Die, is that right? 
That was the last Bond. Yeah. yeah. So the last Bond, um, the girl that's in that, I've actually got the cast in front of me so I can remember her name. Um, is it? Yes, you do. Who's the girl? I know, unless it's Anna de Armas, it's the girl with the blue dress with a short haircut to here who does that amazing scene where she does like a cartwheel on the floor with a fucking machine gun or whatever. Yeah. Is that Anna de Armas? Yeah. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. I could give her her own film. I watch her be gotten. Um, there's been there's been so much chat of like doing a spin-off for her. Um, she yeah, so she was weird. so popular. Yeah. Um, also, your role's not not serious. She she kind of comes off as like ditzy, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be boring. And then she's fucking amazing. Yeah. And um, also the stunt sequences were phenomenal. Um, but I just thought she was fresh. I was kind of bored of the like plain but pretty like european very eurocentric very beautiful and um, symmetrical face light tan but sort of don't care hair they all kind of started to merge into the same the last time that we had a really strong bond girl was probably eva green who's one of my favorite actresses of all time if i was picking a female bond i'd probably have picked her and um, nice. i love i love eva green so i think she was great and i love marion cosmaraj as well i think she's a phenomenal actress but yeah, Anna de Armas' character, um, Paloma, No Time to Die, was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a co-star rather than a, a Bond girl. Um, my pick would actually be the American actress Kelly Riley. So she is um, Beth in Yellowstone. She's absolutely insane. I've she not got to Yellowstone yet. You need to, you need, Yellowstone is true detective with cowboys. Um, <laughs> she's actually a detective. She's in season two. She plays Vince Vaughn's wife. She's like a mob boss wife. Um, she's got coppery kind of hair. Um, she always plays yeah. an absolute bitch, and she gets the best lines and everything. Like she literally, you know, she was the first time watching her character as Beth on Yellowstone was the first time I watched television and was like, this is the first time I've like properly identified with a female character. Um, and. Like, <laughs> just say she's an absolute bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just, really, ide- really, really identified <laughs> with that character. I think it's just because I get like, like I get caught as being like not an aggressive person, but I am. Um, people don't, you know. I get my, my uncle very drunkenly once at Christmas. I think two Christmases ago, told me that um, he thought that if I had a dick, it would have been bigger than his, which. I mean, <laughs> It's like the, the attitude, I guess, that I have. Or I don't know, like, but it's I don't know if it's the way I carry myself or my attitude or whatever. But people perceive me as being like, uh, like aggressive or like, and you know, in their attitude, and and so, and her character is like that all the time. Like her, her defense is an offense essentially. And so I watched that show and was like, damn, that's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> Does, is is that what the the young people refer to as? Big dick energy. Oh, yeah. I think we've moved on to saying main character energy now, but yeah, I think they used to call it big dick energy. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, Kelly Riley. I, can, I, can, like, I mean, we've only we've literally only met like ten minutes ago, and I'm not gonna lie, I can see where your uncle's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if you mind me saying, but you very coolly lit a cigarette in the like in the middle of this conversation, and I'm like. Whoa, yeah. Okay. I, I smoke like fucking John Constantine, so that's why I like recording at home, not in a booth, because if I'm recording in a booth, I'm like, I'd love to be able to smoke in here, but it's not the 17th. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, I, I, I had to quickly Google there, Kelly, really. I didn't, I haven't, um, 
I've seen True Detective and, and I hadn't seen the Yellowstone show. Um, but yeah, she has a very distinctive look. I saw um reminded me that she was in the film uh, Calvary, if you've seen, mm-hmm. from a, quite a few years ago. Um, she, she was very good in that as well, to be fair. But yeah, definitely has a... Uh, I'm trying to think of a way of phrasing it that's not big dick energy, <laughs> but like she has a... <laughs> yeah, to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, for she, sure. Obviously, she's American, but I mean, her as a co-star, well, first of all, having like a, a, a classic British actor and then like an American female actress is two totally different energies. Then mm-hmm. she's going to come in as being probably more competent or more aggressive than him, and he's going to have. You know, my idea is that Tommy Dustin, having been a more intellectual Bond, is having to analyze everything and why he does everything. And Kelly's like shotgun to the back of the head, doing you know, shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, of the two of them, she definitely would be like the more macho, I would say. Yeah, so she. The point is that you know Bond is seen as like the epitome of masculinity. And you have a female character that's as masculine, and he's the one that has to actually rein her in, and um, because she's, you know, she, uh, working as a partner, she's getting them in trouble because she's basically just executing um, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... like you say, shotgun to the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, Ab- absolutely no like self reflection cool. or anything. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, okay. the the opposite of of uh, Tom Hiddleston in the. That's surprising. We've never had that pick before. Uh, it's a new one. Exciting. I was like a new pick. So cool. Yeah. Very happy. What is their relationship? Is it more than just colleagues or? I think just, I think probably that I would have her brought in from an, an American branch, whether that's CIA or FBI or whatever. She has to come over to work on a case where maybe the, you know, the American government are involved. So she gets paired up with Bond and, and maybe, you know, he initially thinks, you know, he's sort of looking at her as a sort of love interest, and she's like, I will literally fucking bite it off, don't come anywhere near me. Uh, <laughs> and then they have to work together, and, you know, the whole time, and, you know, they, you know she's aggressive, and they end up having to rein her in. Um, and so you've got the two different atmospheres of working American versus British tradition. So, I mean, there's potential for comedy in there as well, um, because the Americans are so weird. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, <laughs> the stuff that they do is so weird. Um, so there's, you know, there's that kind of comedy aspect of her constantly having a go at him because he's British, him constantly having a go at her because she's American. Um, but then, yeah, also the two dynamics, more like intellectual, refined strategist versus very like um, American, absolute like torture chamber grade, you know, guns. <laughs> I love that's such a, a rich vein of comedy is like British people and American people. I love like British comedy making fun of Americans, but I also really love American comedy like when they like try to like write or like make jokes about British people and stuff. I always find that like like so funny. Like whenever the Simpsons did episodes about bread, I used to like it like it was so funny. I most I mean a lot of my friends are American. Two of my best friends in the world are both American. And um, I roast the hell out of them all the time. I give Americans the hardest time on social media, and um, you know about coming over and buying our castles like holiday homes. Absolutely, like, <laughs> for a start. You're going to hate this, but my wife is American, and she's come over, and we're having a wedding oh, in a castle. So you're getting married in a castle is fine. What bit of America is she from? What state? She's from Colorado. Okay, no, that's fine. Like, Colorado gets passed. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely, you know, I always just roast them because they've just got no culture <laughs> all the time. Um, but That's I think, true. I mean, 
Well, yeah, because I worked in a bar for six years. I only just retired in like January. And um, they would come in and be like, oh, I'm like 118 scat. And I'm like, well, then you'd be dead from alcohol poisoning. Like, just, <laughs> you know, like, it, they just, it, all the time, like they're, they're desperate to be Irish or Scottish or, or, or whatever. And, yeah. And, like, I, all um... my Irish friends get pissed off with them. They come over and they're, they think they're more Irish than they are. <laughs> I am. Um, I live in Inverness, and in the summer, like there's a lot of American tourists come here, and that's all. Like you spot them a mile off because they have like such a distinct dress sense as well. Like all the trainers, hats, everything like that. Do so you always spot them a mile off? And yeah, they're always obsessed. Like, oh, I'm here to like trace my family roots, or like yeah, to like go to my like historic clan castle. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like. I like. I love that they're interested in their history and finding out where they're from, and they're always a really good chat. They're always most of the time. They're the the thing with Americans is you either get good or bad. There's no in between. They're either really self-absorbed nutcases with with no culture, totally ignorant, just out of touch, or they're really funny. They're really nice. They're they take they take a joke. They tip well. Um, they're they're just friendly. Um, and so when they're good, they're great, and when they're bad, they're the most annoying people on earth. But um, <laughs> that's their choices with the Americans, I'm afraid. I'm saying nothing. Yeah, no, you've got you've got skin in the game, to be fair. Uh, so yeah, let, let's stop there before we alienate all of our American audience. But um, so we've got an American born girl. We've got Tom Hiddleston, um, Kelly. But it's not it's not not a not a romance, is it? I mean, they're not making pottery together. No. <laughs> no. Brilliant. And now we get to go on to one of my favourite things always is the villain yeah. in any movie, but Bond movies in particular. Who are Kelly and Tom going to be up against? Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. So Benedict Cumberbatch is one of my also other favourite actors of all time. And he's played against Tom. So he, him and Tom were both in uh, War Horse together. They also yeah. did, um, they've done, I, th- I think they've done stage stuff together. But in 1917, the continuous shot war film, Batch is like the sergeant or the general or whatever right at the end that they're trying to get to. And when you go in, he's not who you think he'll be. He's quite, you know, almost like evil looking. He's kind of scarred. And the second, you don't know Batch is in the film. And there's so many cameos in that film. And when you go in, he's kind of got your back to you. Benedict Cumberbatch does this amazing thing where he fills a room. He is quite a big guy. I've met him and he's quite, he's quite a tall guy. But his whole atmosphere is um is is really I don't know he's just he fills an entire room so when you walk in he instantly has presence and I think that he is now being typecast into playing so intellectual kind of documentaries and doctors and you know I think most of that comes from BBC Sherlock and he does play these big kind of regal roles but he virtually never gets to play a villain which is weird because he's got the same kind of gravitas as Ralph Fiennes and Ralph Fiennes is plays a great villain um so i mm. think again i just i like i like the idea of tom and ben playing off each other both as classically trained actors but i think benedict cumberbatch has not had the space to be um to be a villain and i think he's got the capacity to really do it i mean if you, you know if you discount smog that's not really you know yeah did, did you see um uh, the power of the dog no i haven't seen that no it's a bit like you would say he's a villain in it it's a brilliant character it's a bit more evil it's very sinister that would be a yeah. good template for for him as a bond villain i think 
Yeah, I think he really got to stretch his yeah. acting chops in that film, didn't he? That was a really great performance. Yeah, very different from the sort of like you know the public school type roles that, that him and would be like stereo, like maybe typecast as. But he was he was really good. Um, so he could definitely do village because that was for sure. Yeah, and I, mean, I think just not just like the voice for it, but also the um, the kind of the the stature and also his delivery. I think in like very mm. theatrical. Like that's what I want. I want a big theatrical, like almost pantomime grade Bond villain. That's what I want. Yeah. I want a classic villain. Brilliant. And what is he going to have any like little, you know, like his weird villain traits? Is he going to be like stroking a cat or what's his, kinda, <laughs> what's his like little, um, yeah, his, his little villain flex? I don't know. I think, um, I think I would have him actually. The first thing that popped into mind was I was thinking of, um, because my other pick for a villain was going to be Peter Stormare. Oh. And I was thinking of Peter Stormare's role as uh, Lucifer in Constantine, which is my favourite depiction of Lucifer. He's in the all-white suit. So I was thinking of Benedict Cumberbatch, but dressed in like a full white suit with a huge white floor-length overcoat with like a single large red like Dahlia or Marigold. You know, very like Godfather-looking, but like yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. immaculate-looking white, very bit dark. His black hair, but completely you know like slicked back. Almost yeah. like an Italian mob boss, and um, loads of big sort of like gold rings, but pure, all constantly everything white. Office white, car white, like you know, big sort yeah. of Rolls, Phantom, you know, Rolls Royce Phantom white, that sort of thing. Yeah, he like glides around. He has like it's not like a cape; it's like a long jacket, but just over the shoulders. Over the shoulders, yeah. He just sort of yeah. He, he just, everything, everything is 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 immaculate because everything is about control. Um, everything has to be perfect. It has to be pristine. It's about control. Mm. Yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, this is good vibes from this villain. Actually, not often that we get a villain that the we've really got a proper vibe from them, right? This I can pick. I can picture it. Like, yeah, very clearly. Getting this, yeah, I like it. Brilliant. What's his scheme? How is he going to try and take over the world? Um, hmm. <laughs> I think. To- have to think on the, on the think of the plan to take over the world on the spot. That's a pretty <laughs> ch- <laughs> challenging. Um, I, I mean, so I think a lot of the, the villains are kind of the classical. They're they've got some sort of basically terrorist scheme, or um, they're you know controlling lots of governments and things like that. So I wonder if it would be easier to do a sort of like Black Mirror style thing where you're not you're controlling everybody through something like very innocuous, whether it's a format of like social media or if it's a format of, you know, cryptocurrency and things like that, where everything's, everybody's connected now, like digitally sucked into the same thing. And your goal is not to like create terror. Your your goal is to basically create a monopoly on on everything. Um, and then, you know, you kind of have this, you, can, you know, because we spend all this time talking about the news and fake news and crypto and conspiracy theories and things like that. And so at the you know at the heart of that is somebody who's controlling all the narratives. They control all the news. They also but they also control um, the currency and things like that. And it's all done digitally. And so many people don't realize that they're they're hooked into it. They're like kind of black mirror style because we don't. Yeah. In the Bond villains, they're always like controlling governments, and nobody knows what's going on. But wouldn't it be worse if they had control? They had access to everything, to like Reddit, YouTube, the news that you get on your phone, your currency, your bank cards all of it um because everything's so interconnected i'm thinking like a um 
like a 21st century version of Elliot Carver like because he's mm-hmm. obviously like the newspaper guy mm-hmm. but this is like the modern equivalent of that yeah like, controlling like the, new, the oh, online yeah. news you just you know it does basically just Rupert Murdoch is it not yeah yeah I mean aren't all those things what the government are doing anyway uh, I was gonna say, yeah. Well, that's you put a face on it, though. Yeah, you put a face on it. Yeah. That's it. That's the twist at the end. <laughs> that it's a documentary, actually, like Bond. Like no, like like Bond and the villain are actually working for the same people. Yeah, the government. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. We've got conspiracy theories. Good. Get that. Uh, important to incorporate that. Um, any other questions, Fraser? Right, Big Ben. Uh, Big Ben. Um, I was trying to think of something funny to say. But, uh... <laughs> Well, we've not got all night, so let's move on. <laughs> not as handsome as cool. t- as Tim, obviously. Eh, Tom, Tom, Tim Waddleston. <laughs> but they, they were, I would like to see like a, like a really. Um, I've seen the two of them like interacting. You know, like just giving them loads of space, loads of time, like about to, to sort of interact, a big conversation, maybe a, a meal. A classic Bond scene is like the villain and Bond has a meal together. The two of them, like. The meal that's like, um, do you know the scene in Heat very famously with De Niro? Is it De Niro and Pacino? Yeah. And he's sitting down and he's like, Yeah, well, they're sitting down talking to each other in a restaurant. And he was like, I'm talking to you and you're talking to me. <laughs> and uh, we've got like, you know, you know, what if I wanted to go to a ball game on a Sunday? And I was like, Well, what if I do? And they're like, compare, you know, that whole scene in Heat because there's a famous interview on Graham Norton and Tom Hiddleston is very good at impersonations and he actually does that entire scene to um De Niro. De Niro is sitting on the couch and he does the entire scene to De Niro. It's really good. You can find it on YouTube. Yeah. Um but yeah if I want that scene. That's high pressure doing it in front of De Niro as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Cool. Very good. I like that. Got the scene well. If we're talking about specific scenes and actual parts of it we need to talk about director I suppose. Um so we've got some big actors. We've got some uh, very good scenes. Who's going to be pulling it all together? So I, yeah, I guess this is a this is a hard one because it's like, do you get, you know, a British director in to do it? But then that's not always the case. I think I am. Um, I don't know. I actually think I'd like to see David Fincher do it. Wow. Because David Fincher did Mindhunter for Netflix, mm-hmm. so he's got you know sort of spy office government nailed. But then I think about the pacing and the kind of cerebral aspects of it, and I think about Gone Girl. But then I also think about colour grading and shots, and I think about, you know, Seven um, and things like that. Um, And, you know, in in tone, and obviously he's not shy with working with some of the greatest actors um, that there is. Um, So, yeah, I think my pick would would be David Fincher, just so that I could get the right amount of, like, high drama, but also the same amount of pacing that I want. Wild. Now, Evelyn, you'll know obviously because you listen to this podcast uh, every week, uh, so you'll know how much. Me in particular, but I know Fraser as well. We love David Fincher, and we could talk at length about how much we love him. And I, in fact, on previous episodes, have done. So we won't get into the weeds <laughs> on that now. But suffice to say, I agree with everything that you've said there. I think for all the reasons you've said, you would be a great director for a Bond film, especially the sort of film that you've described. Um, yeah, uh, I love him. That man can make a movie. He just like spins so many elements. Like yeah, like you say, the colors, the 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 settings, the even the scripts are so like are so tight. Like just chucks all that on and just makes like a, an amazing like spinning wheel of like 
I don't know, like a vase or whatever. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a good metaphor, but <laughs> <laughs> but you you know what I mean? Like he just he knows how to weave that thing and, yeah. and get it spinning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just think it's the combination of it's it's like what's not done in the shop that's always perfect. And mm-hmm. um, it's not about doing anything ultra stylistic and and flashy. It's about the space in a shot. <clears throat> so when you're look when a shot is over of a room, it's it's usually focused on so- something else, and then everything else is sort of happening in the background essentially. So your eyes kind of drawn to the wrong thing to force you to listen to what's being said. Um, and every there's all these sort of motion shots where everything is stationary and everyone is passing the camera rather than walking into shot talking to the camera or talking to each other. Everything is like this passing shot where it constantly just makes you feel like you are sitting in the background of the room watching it happen rather than being shown, you know, it doesn't feel like a film. A lot of the time you feel like you're sitting in the back of the car when they're having a conversation or you're sitting in the corner of the room watching two people walk through and have the conversation. He's really good at creating this like third kind of perspective, using the camera to create third person perspective. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, well, I think the best at, yeah, using the camera as a tool as part of his filmmaking. But then at the same time, he's so, I was like, he's so particular and he's so like anal about his like shots as well. He like nothing happens by accident in a David Fincher film. Everything is exactly where he wants it to be, and he and and everything has is there for a purpose and some meaning. He, he's like so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Everything is so thought out. Nothing sort of happens by accident. Uh, um, yeah, I think he's great. Yeah, I look forward to seeing what he's up to just now. Um, I know he did that Mank film, the Mankiewicz mm-hmm. uh, biopic. Uh, which was great, very different for him. Yeah, but was great. Um, yeah, I'd like to see what he's up to next. I hope they make more Mindhunter. That was great. Oh no, it's been it's been cancelled. It's actually. Um, it was, yeah, it was on because there was big discussions over the last couple of days about it. And this morning they've come out and said Fincher has said that um, even though you know, it's a great show and it was really popular, um, and it's um, Netflix has said that it's so expensive to make and it didn't generate enough interest, so they've. They, they it. Oh man, that's a shame. It was, yeah, that was a brilliant show. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. Yeah. Really, like dripping intention to some of the scenes in it. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Fincher. Fincher. Hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, what's your least favorite uh, David Fincher film, Evelyn? Jesus Christ! What a question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right, let me pull up a list. Um, ah, there's all there's all going to be ones I should forget. Um, I'll save you some time here, Evelyn. It's Alien Three is your least favorite. Uh, yeah, was, I would also favorite. I'd make a case for the Curious Case of Benjamin Button as well. I didn't I didn't really like that one. I like Benjamin um, Button. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. There's there's just there's there's so many there's so much great stuff on this. I didn't know he directed a music video for Justin Timberlake featuring Jay-Z called Suit and Tie. He's done, lo- he's done loads of, I mean, he did like Madonna, he did Michael Jackson music videos, he's done loads. I know those yeah. ones. Um, we've got a great social network. I, I mean, Curious Case Revenge is, is, is good. It's an interesting film. It's not, you know, it's not top tier. Zodiac is fucking amazing. Um, Panic Room is also amazing. Oh, he directed the music video for Judith by Perfect Circle, obviously, as well, because he works with those guys. Fight Club, the game is excellent. Seven, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, Alien 3 wasn't great. 
wasn't wasn't great. I think I think um, Alien Three is going to have like a, a renaissance moment. It's going to come back, and everyone's going to be like, "Oh, it's the best film ever! It's the best of the Alien franchise." <laughs> Well, it was so weird is that I actually didn't know. So Don Henley's "The End of Innocence" was one of my father's favorite songs of all time, and he directed the music video for it. And my arguably my single favorite song of all time, just to throw someone ask you, you have to pick one, is um, she's a is Mystery Girl. She's a mystery to me by Roy Orbison, and I just found out looking through this IMDb that James Fincher directed the music video for it. Scary, can't escape him. Yeah, really. Yeah, he, I don't know. Yeah, I think if you had to pick, it's probably Alien 3 because it's not great. But, I mean, even then, you know, it's it's better than some other director's worst Yeah, and it's, and it's only... Better than Alien 4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you only yeah. think that Alien 3 is so bad because 1 and 2 are so good as well. So it's like, yeah. it has an extra unfair level. Yeah. Anyway, great. I mean, uh, yeah, another... 20 minutes of this podcast dedicated to talking about David Fincher <laughs> but uh, yeah excellent let's uh, let's go to music now I'm uh, I'm intrigued we talked obviously a lot about film what sort of music genres do you like do you like the Bond theme songs um yeah I've liked quite a lot of them and um, so I think the main genre of music that I listen to is uh I listen to a lot of country actually for a golf um, <laughs> a lot of country for a golf um, that's a good uh, album title <laughs> Um, yeah, country music, um, but I also listen to a lot of like, um, you know, synthwave, um, traditional stuff like 80s synthwave, but also retrowave, modern stuff, 80s kind of synthwave stuff, um, which again ties in with kind of my love of noir and neo-noir. Um, yeah, Western, um, yeah, and then like Americana. I don't know, there isn't really anything like I, like I won't necessarily listen to. I'm a... Uh, I, I probably didn't listen to pop for years and then I went back to it in the last five years and was like, actually, there's quite a lot of pop that is really good. Um, obviously, 90s pop and early 2000s pop are, you know, like top tier. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've actually started to go back and try to actively listen to pop music now instead of just being like, it's all shy. Yeah. There's, there's loads of modern pop stuff that I like. Quite like a couple of high styles tracks every now and then. <laughs> I quite like to know. Like which is a like bizarre pick, but um it, yeah, it's you know like those really definitely. Pop. I mean, I'm a big big advocate of like actually, yeah. If you listen to a lot of pop music, actually, it's way better than you might think. But it is also better to go back and listen to like from like you know you know older pop music because by that point they've kind of all the real shit has been filtered out. So you're only left with like like all the stuff's been forgotten about that was total garbage, and you're only left with kind of the, the slightly like more kind of lasting stuff. Um, which is yeah, yeah. Because when you people say like. Yeah, pop music shit because well, yeah, a lot of it is. But if you wade through like the shit, then actually there is some gems in there, you know, including including Harry Styles. I thought I, th- I thought you said at first you said pot music, and I was like, <laughs> like stoner. It's like what? No, even like I don't know music you would make pottery to or something. I don't know. Weird. That's what I was, <laughs> the ghost no, pop makes a lot more uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Pop, pop makes a lot more uh, sense than um, that. Okay, cool. So what sort of genre are you going with for your Bond song? Uh, Bond song? Bond song. Then. <laughs> yeah. Bond song. Um, yeah, so I think... So because I picked David Fincher, um, I, I obviously it has to be like a kind of orchestral... Well, not necessarily. There's a part orchestral store, but they've also used rock tracks. You know, Chris Cornell's You Know My Name. 
which I really like. So I want to kind of go back to that. I do love the big ballads and sweeping kind of stuff, but let's go back to the more kind of alternative stuff. Um, so obviously Fincher normally has Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross work on his films. So I'd like them to kind of, yeah, it's still orchestral, but then to, you know, mix contemporary and kind of rock elements into it, which they're fully capable of doing. Um, and for singing it, I would pick Stevie Nicks from Speak With Mac. Nice. Um, so we do this. So there's um, Stevie Nicks did a track with Dave Grohl, um, that's called "You Can't Fix This." It's on a it's on a do- music documentary, and it's really good. And um, but the Sweet uh, with Mac have also got this. I think it's a B side or a bonus track called "Sisters of the Moon," and both of them are kind of like slower, kind of like, a bit like heavier, like kind of steady rhythm tracks. So I kind of want that. It doesn't have to be big high rock opera i want this kind of like you know like dark but like kind of like low slow with orchestra but with those slightly maybe more electronic elements or kind of rock elements to it and obviously trent Reznor is great at this kind of constant pulsing kind of rock beat under it um, and atticus ross is great at piano composition and this sort of stuff at the top stevie nicks with a big dark haunting voice but then she can also also go into the bigger you know more kind of vocals so that would be my favorite. amazing so we ha- yeah so we- we've had yeah, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross a couple of times before. I don't think we've had Stevie Nicks before, and we've definitely not had that no, combination no. as well. But yeah, if, I mean, if you're picking, if you're picking Fincher, then you've got to yeah, that, that soundtrack just Pick fits exactly man. right for it. Um, and yeah, I'm I, we've talked about this before as well. I want to return to a big rock Bond theme song. I think that's what's been missing the last few years. It seems to have just constantly gone down the kind of ballady route. And I mean, they've been good. I think Skyfall by Adele's a bit shy. Um, but um, Sam Smith's one actually grew on me. In fact, Zach said this to me. He said he listened to it and he thought it was shit. And then when he went to the cinema to see it, he was like, this is actually really good. The Sam Smith one grew on me. I like, I love Billie Eilish's voice. I think she's got a beautiful voice. But I feel like her track, although it was really nice, really good, I was waiting for her to get into the big vocals that I know that she can do. And it just... Yeah. It never really got out of like first gear, really. That yeah. song, it was a bit sort of no. Yeah, it didn't. Um, but Chris Cornell's "You Know My Name" is an absolute banger. Absolute banger, yeah. Totally, yeah. That's. I mean, that's your favorite, isn't it, Stuart? I mean, I go through phases, but yeah, I would say it's always up. It's always there or thereabout. Yeah, I, I do love. Living daylight is my favorite. Duran Duran. Nice, yeah. The the kind of more poppy like Bond theme songs are great as well. They don't have the big. Did, did, you know the yeah. had the kind of bombasticness of the eighties to it, especially when they go into the second verse and they go into the falsetto. So you know, nice. uh, you know, it had yeah. gravitas. It wasn't just pop. For the listeners at home, Evelyn was uh, accompanying that with some jazz hands. That were very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I talked with my hands. I don't know. Whilst also smoking a cigarette. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly always smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I love it. I don't, yeah, I, I'm I'm all here for the for the cigarette. I wish I had one. I'm kind of like um. There's a scene in uh, these are the old Steptoe and Son uh, like films and TV shows. There's a scene where the dad is making sandwiches and he's got the fag in his mouth. The ash falls in the sandwich and he just continues to spread it. <laughs> that is me whilst cooking. I'm like doing something in the pan that I'm afraid of. Actually, nice. Great. That's a bit of flavour. Got music. <laughs> got our music we've got director we've got the the main actors now we move on to the little section called the aobs the any other bonds this is all the other bits and pieces that you can or cannot put in whatever you fancy and you can do whatever you want here other roles 
um, locations, cars, gadgets, whatever. So I think the first thing is Q because that's such a big, um, not Q, sorry, M, because that's another kind of big, the big role. We talked about the kind of gravitas of that role. Now, yeah. my pick for M is Roger Allen. Oh. Roger Allen is my favourite voice actor of all time. Um, Cabin Pressure is my favourite radio show of all time. He's first off, so Douglas Richardson on it with Benedict Cumberbatch before Benedict Cumberbatch was properly famous. Um, and his voice is absolutely amazing. But he also has the kind of like dry, old British sarcasm, puts, constantly puts everyone in their place. He's always the smartest person in the room. Everyone else is a fucking idiot. Yeah. And that's what M is. So yeah, Roger Allen, 100%. I, I know, Fraser, your favourite Roger Allen line. Yes. Oh, what a second. Let oh, me, yes, let I'm me having that. a flex with you because he was also in uh, the, the your one Fraser oh, such, is such important work it's you do. Such such vital work. Vital vital work. Again, the the thick of it when he comes in, I've gotta go, dear. The bailiffs have come to take away my will to live. <laughs> <laughs> he was so perfect in that that yeah. role. That was so good. Oh, he's the man Yeah, I love the thick of it. He's got a film coming out soon. Actually, he was he's in um, your boy John S. Baird's new film Tetris about the oh. creation of the oh, game. Yeah. Film. Oh yeah, I saw something about that on Twitter. I'm just buzzing to see Roger Allen doing something. I'm terrified yeah. he's going to die. The man doesn't have a Twitter. I need to know what he's doing at all times. <laughs> I I um because if Tetris was the only place in the UK they could find that uh, resembled uh, Soviet Russia was um, Aberdeen. <laughs> when, I, when I used to live in Aberdeen, they filmed it around the corner from where I was, where I stayed. And I went along towards some of the filming. That's but... fucking hilarious. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Mother's going to be like Croydon or something. <laughs> no. There's some like pretty like, uh, some nice brutalist architecture in Aberdeen that apparently was a good match for, I think it's Russia or, or somewhere else in Another, another yeah, East, somewhere Eastern Block. Eastern block yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, brilliant. Roger, um, great. Don't get a chance to talk okay. about him very often. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so many people have kind of forgotten about him, but I always say that, like, so when I do my live shows, everybody has, like, a different warm-up, you know, you're doing your dressing room or before you go on stage. And so mine, just to get into my brain of having it, like, talk quickly and answer concisely, trying to slow down, I constantly recite the opening of Cabin Pressure. It's actually Benedict Cumberbatch that, that does it normally on the show because I grew up listening to them all the time. And so they're in, the whole like opening reel, if you like, like bit is embedded in my brain. So I use it. But when when I was going to university and when I was doing lecturing, I realised I couldn't speak in Scots because no, I'm from Livingston originally. And so if I spoke in a Livy accent speaking Scots, no one would understand me. So I had to slow down elocute use the bbc voice the caledonian accent and a lot of that came from listening to roger allen all the time i would just mm. like basically mimic roger allen and that's where my radio voice comes from is constantly having his voice embedded in my fucking brain there you go. <laughs> wow that's uh amazing i mean what I mean, you, you could have much worse voices embedded in your brain <laughs> i do he just pops in there like an intrusive thought i'll be doing something and i'll always think of the line in cabin pressure that's like he's a rabbit of negative euphoria what does that mean he's not a happy bunny <laughs> um, <laughs> it's his, like pacing it's his delivery of all of his lines it's like he just he's there and everyone is wasting his time basically so um, good something we just we brushed past actually and I meant to ask you at the time, but we, we got sidetracked. You've met Benedict Cumberbatch. How did that come about? Um, yeah, I might have a picture, actually. Um, so, podcast. Years, 
years and years and years ago, and yeah, you just want a podcast <laughs> for radio and um, photos. And so years and years and years ago, um, I went to, uh, I used to go to a lot of conventions for shows in London or Birmingham, um, usually for Supernatural, the TV show, um, and um, became friends with cast members and things that went. Like sort of like, like, like Comic-Con type things. Uh, or, yeah, like Comic-Cons, yeah. And um, so a, a friend of mine who runs these uh, or was involved in sort of hosting them got working for another company and they put on the first possibly only BBC Sherlock convention. Um, right, it, it's kind of, you know, peak. And um, yeah, he was, he was there. So I managed to go and I managed to meet him. He was really nice. He's a really, really interesting guy. And he, um, we, we ended up chatting about books and things, and I asked him what his favourite book was, series was, and he said, oh, August, the August and Auburn novels. And a couple of years ago, he actually um, made either a TV show or a film, I think, where he played the main character. So that must be amazing for him growing up, and he got to play his favourite main character, essentially. Um, this, was, this was ages ago. Oh, there we go. So, I mean, this will be useless on a podcast. Wow. Just, just, just for us, oh, these are, oh. Oh, very, brilliant. very close and comfy. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He's not like you know, like sometimes you get these celebrity photos where like they have to stand like <laughs> a meter away. He's very nice. Well, they're the best ones because you can't come within like ten feet of her. Yeah. It's like COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Very nice. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good. A top celeb meet. Fraser, who's your best celeb meet? My best celeb Come back to me, come back to me. You tell me yours. <laughs> I can't even, I, I realise I asked you that, I, I, don't know, I should have thought, of course he's going to ask I me. Won. I can't think who it would have been. Um, I saw one of the Proclaimers once. In, um... <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe uh, maybe Linford, Linford Christie is my favourite. The, the sprint, he's a sprinter? Yeah, the lunchbox. Nice. Big dick energy oh, again. He's got, yeah, he did have, <laughs> although there was, I always, I think there was quite a lot of Racial undertones to that sort of stuff. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a bit off. To- that's a bit <laughs> off topic. Back to Bond. Um, so you want to, you've got M. Are you going to go for a Q as well? I think he's so difficult. Um, I really liked Ben Russell playing Q. I thought he was really good. Yeah. Um, and I think you know my brain kind of went to oh we've got to kind of have another you know like a, another Q. I was actually trying to think about having like um a female Q instead. Um, has there ever been a female Q? No. no. Um, that seems silly. Um, I had a female Q in my episode, if you fancy a listen. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I think... I mean, these are all a bit shit. Um, but the thing is, the good ones are like, you know, the, <laughs> things, the kind of older, regal ones that have either been in it or kind of played. Um, mm. Quite like Amelia Clark, she might be kind of good. Um, mm. Mm. I don't know. The thing is, because I feel like, I mean, is it, do we have to have like a younger kind of cue? Um, I mean, you could do whatever you like. You don't even have to do it if you don't want to. There's not always, not every Bond film's had a cue. Sometimes you leave them out. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, I just, it, it, you know, it's kind of now trained into my brain that maybe, you know, the cues are kind of like, uh, younger, but I mean, um, if they don't, if they don't have to be, I loved it right at the end of that list there that I was looking at. It was like Audrey Hepburn. I was like, Fuck it, let's make Audrey Hepburn. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no rules. You can do what you want. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think if it was going to be one of the kind of, you know, maybe Amelia Clark. Um, but I'm happy to go with Amelia Clark. That's a good choice for me. That's like a reasonable. It's a kind of like young, sort of fresh, but kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And intellectual as well, I think. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, maybe her. Um, I mean, the other kind of more obvious ones are like people having like Simon Pegg, you know, that kind of thing. Um, well, he, he, he was basically Q in the Mission Impossible. Right, yeah, so that's why I think it popped into my head. And um, I think yeah. the other one that kind of popped in was like possibly Nicholas Holt. Um, no. no Ooh, I've got bad blood with him on this show. Yeah. Nicholas Holt or, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. But they're all about that kind of age, that kind of era, so I think that's why they kind of popped in. But yeah, I think maybe... I mean, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, that could be quite yeah. He's uh he's he's become to be fair to Daniel Radcliffe as like a child actor, obviously like was such a big you know, one of the biggest roles ever. He's done pretty well, like he seems to have come out of it as a a nice, well rounded guy, takes interesting roles, like, you know, does fun stuff. Um but anyway, yeah. Yeah, he's come far from Potter, yeah. Yeah. I mean the Clark, Khaleesi. Khaleesi locked in. Okay, good. Brilliant. Anything else for you? Um I think for Money Penny, I would pick Rachel Vice. Um, yeah, nice. I love Rachel Weisz. Uh, again, classical kind of actor, but has also done lots of varied roles. And um, has the capacity to be funny. Obviously, The Mummy are most people's sexual orientation, not just favorite films. Um, <laughs> yeah. She... Yeah, there's that sign, isn't there? There, the like honk if you'd rather be watching. Oh, you were friends and friends. I had it in the award. Yeah. Yeah, I just. I like Rachel Vice, I think she's a good solid actress. And I like the idea of her kind of playing the you know, sort of um, sweet, slightly sarcastic, rounded kind of character versus um Kelly Riley's like brutal American character. Yeah. Nice. Wow, we have covered a lot of ground <laughs> on this episode. Uh, we've talked a lot a lot of different film genres, talked a lot about different stuff. Um is there anything else you want to put in your film, Evelyn, before we sum it up for you? Um hmm. I think if I had to pick a car, I would pick mm-hmm. the British Racing Green Jaguar E-Type. Nice. Um, and Die Another Day? Was that not the car in Die Another Day? I think so, yeah. I know there was, there, there was a Jag in it. I don't know I if it was the same kind. Yeah, Jag, Jag E-Type, classic like, deep British racing, like forest kind of green. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, for, I think for a location... Um, difficult because I know they shot some stuff in Scotland on something that goes to Skyfall because it's set there but like that's arguably my favourite Bond scene of all time when they get to the house with a with shotgun to the door and he's like welcome to Scotland <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we know how much Kelly Riley likes a shotgun nah. so. so I want to see you know more of more of Scotland so maybe if we get more into like Bond's kind of history and childhood and things we get more of Scotland um, but also with another maybe Livingston yeah <laughs> well <laughs> they film some of them. Do you know the Scarlett Johansson film? Um, yes. Right? That one. So they filmed some of that um, basically around. I'm from Mid Calder, and there's one shithole nightclub in Mid Calder called. It used to be called Club Air. And that's the nightclub that she goes into. And I remember watching it because lots of it's shot around Edinburgh and West Lothian and things like that. So um, I was like, this is really weird. Um, you know, why are they filming a Scarlett Johansson horror film in Livingston in Edinburgh? And then they showed that shot and I was like, fucking way. That's, you know, that's around the corner from the film. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> is it 
Under the Skin, is that the film? Yeah. Under the Skin, that's the one. I think yeah. for Great. more like kind of like foreign car chase kind of like style shots, I quite like the idea of going to like to like Basque country. Cool. Brilliant. Fraser, do you want to do us the honours? I would love to do the honours. I was going to ask you the same thing, but yeah, I will do it. Okay, Evelyn Hollow, your build a bond is as follows. I've been writing down as you've been going along. Playing James Bond, you have Tom Hiddleston. Playing your co-star, you have Kelly Riley, who's a fucking nightmare, I believe, was your <laughs> words. Your villain is Benedict Cumberbatch in a white suit, playing an Italian mob boss type character. Your film is directed by David Fincher. Your song is by Stevie Nicks. Your M is played by Roger Allen. Q is Amelia Clark. Money Penny is Rachel Weiss. The car is a green Jaguar E-Type. How does that all sound to you? That's it. That's the one. That's the one. Amazing. Now, the last question we have, Evelyn, before we let you go is, what are you going to call your Bond film? Oh, jeez. Uh... Um, so as a writer I have a constant list on my phone of like writing notes but it also includes a list of when good like names or titles for short stories or things come into my head and I've had it for about about 10 years and I just keep shunting it from device to device so I do actually have a list of like things I think are good names for things well I mean if you you have good names for any of your future books you know don't waste them on this shit podcast (laughs) (laughs) I think it was that I found like you know, Bond films. Okay, so one that's on the top of this is An Introduction to the Knife. Ooh. Um, <laughs> what else is on there? Sure, you like that one. That one tickled you. Yeah, I did like that one. Uh, Phantoms in Waiting. Okay. Nice. Uh, Guilty Until Proven Dead. Oh, that's my <laughs> Bond, actually, yeah. Um, I've got a few ideas, but they're mostly ghost puns. Are <laughs> yeah, they all ghost puns? I- I feel bad because you've come up with some like actually genuinely quite good titles, whereas I've just tried to make shit jokes. <laughs> there's a, well, there's um, one you yeah. like you know phantoms and waiting and ghosts to be. I mean, they're kind of like ghost related, I guess. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, ours are, are. I mean, mine anyway are, are very ghost slash bond related. Go on then, Fraser. Put us out of misery. Okay, first one is Ghostfinger. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Daylights. Cascremo <laughs> <laughs> Royale. Cascremo Royale, Jesus. Nice. Scareful. <laughs> Scareful. Or Spookter. <laughs> you know, kind of like nice. the names of like if you go to like a pop up cocktail bar around Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd actually, this shows Fraser, we have the same mind i'd also written down spooked <laughs> i'd written down uh the living deadlights as well nice. i thought it was kind of similar to you Gothfinger, uh spoonbender <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i also as we were talking i thought a good one would be uh let me get this right livingston let die <laughs> let die jesus christ oh, i think that oh, might God. be the one that might be the one yeah yeah jesus christ well, I, I think a name like that doesn't do justice to what's been a brilliant Bond film and what's been a brilliant episode. Evelyn, thanks so much. It's been a good laugh. Yeah, I loved it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to do shows where 
Um, where they're not paranormal, Joe, where I get asked about random things as a guest. <laughs> now, and, and if, but if someone is listening, Evelyn, and they're like, we loved your Bond film, but we want to see more of you doing ghost stuff, <laughs> where can they see that? Where, where, where can they find out more? Um, so, I mean, I'm on, you know, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, unfortunately, um, where everything is um, to keep up with me. But also, um, I've got two, well, I've done two television shows now, so... Um, the first one is called Spook Scotland. It's called Haunted Scotland in America. It's on Discovery Channel Plus. We have a second season of that coming out. Um, I've also got uh, three radio shows, which are also podcasts. Um, the Battersea Poltergeist, The Witch Farm, and Uncanny. Um, Uncanny has a sold-out fan convention in London next month. We're recording a new series. Um, there's going to be a three-part television show made of it, and we're doing a two-month-long UK-wide live tour of it this year. So there's a lot happening for that. Um, wow. And I have a book coming out next year as well, um, big hardback book that will be published UK, America, and Australia at the same time, and then various other countries. It will be published on Ivy Press, and it's a non-fiction. I can't tell anyone what it is yet, but I can tell you that it's supernatural-related and that it's non-fiction and it's a hardback. Um, but yeah, so... And, then, and when it was published in Australia, did they have to make any edits to the, the text for that? Or? Well, no, so it will be published. Um, so next September, um, it will be UK, Australia, America, New Zealand, I think, all at the same time. But they do sometimes have to change stuff for like American audiences. That's why the TV show is called Spooked here, but it's called Haunted in America, because in America, spooked uh, means like spy. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're dingbats. So. Yeah, <laughs> as as previously discussed. Yeah, one last thing of the Americans, and then we're done. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, plenty to get stuck into if you want a little bit more Evelyn Hollow. Evelyn, thank you so much. It's been a great laugh. Thank you for having me. all that smoke. No, you suddenly been chain smoking your way through that episode yeah and just like our guest Evelyn Hollow <laughs> just like Evelyn uh, that was a wee joke there listeners uh, you can't smoke through you can't passive smoke through a podcast uh, we're in separate rooms um, Evelyn can do what she wants so fuck you and she did what she wanted in picking her Bond film um, nice good pick yeah. uh, decent picks nothing outrageous no, uh, you, you, I didn't know which way it was going to go. You know, obviously she's famous for her uh, interest in the paranormal and that sort of side of things. But it was a bit more mainstream in her picks, I thought. Yes, it was a bit mainstream. I, although I love Stevie Nicks. I think Stevie Nicks is a terrific shout for the theme. And I love to have the opportunity to just do uh, Roger Allen impressions quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, great pick. Great pick. Um yeah, decent film all round. It's not it's not blowing my head off, but it's not it's not bad either. Not as spooky as we hoped. No. Um and I don't know if you noticed as well, but I had a bit yeah. of a bit of trouble getting the, the pottery things in. Yeah, and I noticed at one point she referenced the fact that you were discussing the film I Ghost. So I, I wonder know. if that ah, it's gonna be a fail in my book, I'm afraid. You've been yeah. you've been rumbled. I also I counted myself four references uh, but i but you're including I, the harry potter in there as well i'm including harry potter yeah 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 which we discussed beforehand and said wasn't allowed i know we did 
Yeah, so um, it's a fail for me, I'm afraid. But that didn't detract from what was a fun episode. Uh, very nice to meet Evelyn. Someone a bit different for us, I would say, but what a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would listen again. Would you listen again to this show? Uh, I always do. I go for two listens each episode, and I always like, I always comment and subscribe uh, on all of the podcast platforms, uh, and you should too, dear listener. That's true. I wasn't actually fishing for a for one of those but but yeah um and and also like and follow us on on twitter yes and for sure. instagram yes what's the what's our email address on that uh www.twitter.com uh-huh. uh-huh. forward slash i actually don't know if that's how you do it just type into your browser build a bond 007 and that's our handle on both instagram and on twitter and i'm sure you'll find us uh, you might accidentally find uh, dog training websites. Sometimes people end up yeah. on, on those. That, that's Just not ignore us. that. Just ignore yeah. them. They, we, we're sick and tired of them taking our profits. I know. It's um, yeah. It's bloody annoying. Those dogs train themselves, as far as I'm concerned. Mm, they do. Um, yeah. Follow us on there. Uh, Chesney Hawks follows us. So yeah. And you wouldn't want to do something that you wouldn't want to not be doing something that Chesney Hawks is doing. Yeah. Yeah. That would be embarrassing. So, yeah. See you there. And I'll see you next week, Stu. See you then. Stu? 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 Stu?